Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's epistle lesson declares God has rightly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, it is written that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow both in heaven and on earth. Why bow at his name? Isn't that only what certain people do in other denominations? Well, it is written here to do so. Why? Because God has exalted on our Lord Christ and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. He is, after all, the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He is our prophet. As we heard a couple weeks ago, they recognized Jesus as the prophet when he fed the 5,000. He is our great high priest who offers himself as a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the world. And as we hear on Palm Sunday, fulfilling the prophet Zechariah, he is our king. Jesus atoned for the sin of the world through, his sacri through the sacrifice of his body on the cross. He proved that Satan has no power over him when Jesus descended into hell and proclaimed his victory, and he swallowed up death in victory through his triumphant resurrection. Dear fellow redeemed, you are welcome to bow when Jesus' name is spoken or sung in the divine service. You may bow lightly or profusely. He is named in the invocation where you may bow slightly and make the sign of the cross as you are, have always been invited to do. He is named during the confession and absolution and we sing his name in the Gloria in Excelsis. I'm not suggesting for practical reasons to bow every time you hear his name spoken in sermons or in scripture readings, but you are welcome to. Why bow? Are we worshiping a name or are we worshiping a person? A question like that would set up a false dichotomy. We are, of course, worshiping Jesus who saves us. In fact, that's what his very name means. Two ways Two good ways to translate the name Jesus is the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. After all, when Joseph was informed that Mary, his betrothed, was going to have a child, he wanted to put her away. But the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, do not do such a thing because this is from the Holy Spirit. And the angel of the Lord instructed Joseph saying, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
It's worth noting, though, that this name was not uncommon in Old Testament times. Perhaps the most famous one in the Old Testament is Joshua, the son of Nun, who led God's people across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land after their 40-year journey in the wilderness. You see, the name Joshua comes from the Hebrew for the Lord is salvation. And you already heard the name Jesus means the Lord is salvation or the Lord saves. The name Jesus comes from the Greek. So both are one and the same name with the same meaning. That name for our Lord Jesus Christ is fitting because he is certainly our Savior. But was Joshua our Savior? Was it okay for him to have a name like that? Well, technically, he was not a Savior, but his name is fitting for two reasons. The first reason is it confesses who God is, that the Lord is our Savior, and it's good to have names that reflect the name of God. But he also was raised up by God to be God's instrument to bring God's chosen people into the promised land. And in the same way, Jesus was sent by the Father to make it possible for us to be brought into that promised land, if you will, of heaven, or the promised land now of being in the word and in the sacraments. Joshua prefigured Jesus in bringing God's people to a place flowing with milk and honey, a permanent home and a land of rest, which is what Jesus ultimately does for all who call upon him when he grants them salvation. I'm going to say more about the name Jesus or Joshua, and I'd like to do so by way of Psalm 118. I invite you to pull out your hymnal and find Psalm 118, which is in the front of the hymnal. The first 150 pages are actually the Psalms, so Psalm 118. Psalm 118 speaks significantly of the events for both for Palm Sunday, for Holy Week, and for Easter. I'm going to quote a few times Psalm 118, and I'm going to read from the New King James because I think generally it does a slightly better job translating. Your hymnals have the ESV printed in Psalm 118. Concerning the psalm, Dr. Martin Luther wrote, This is my own beloved psalm. Although the entire Psalter and all of Holy Scripture are dear to me as my only comfort and source of life, I fell in love with this psalm especially. Therefore, I call it my own. When emperors and kings, the wise and the learned, and even saints could not aid me, this psalm proved a friend and helped me out of many great troubles. As a result, it is dearer to me than all the wealth, honor, and power of the Pope, the Turk, and the Emperor. I would be most unwilling to trade this psalm for all of it. So that's Luther's view on the psalm when he, gave, he wrote a commentary on it in 1530, just a year after he wrote the Catechisms and the same year in which the Augsburg Confession was delivered. Now in Psalm 118, verse 14, the word Joshua comes up, but not as a name. 
The psalm declares, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The word salvation there is the word lishua. And if you add the word Lord, Yah, the abbreviated form, which is what that word is, where it says the Lord is my strength, it just says Yah there in the Hebrew. If you take Yah and add it to the Lishua, you have Yeshua, or as we say in English, Joshua. The Lord is salvation. When we pray Psalm 118, we are confessing that Jesus has become our salvation. He does so through our Lord's passion and his victory over the death, which is prophesied in verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus was rejected by the Jewish leadership, as we heard John speak of in our reading this morning. But the risen Christ is now the pillar and the foundation of the church. And so on Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Later in the psalm, that is in verses 25 and 26, we pray these words. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. And there, I think the ESV is actually better, success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I know you recognize that final line that I just read. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You probably can even hear a tune in your head as you say those words because we sing them as our sanctus as we prepare to receive the as we prepare to receive holy communion the crowds on palm sunday were joyfully shouting these words as jesus rode into jerusalem on a donkey this very psalm 118 in fact verses 19 and 20 prophesy the triumphal entry of jesus as he passes through the gates into jerusalem along with the crowds proclaiming their praises. Those verses declare, Open to me the gates of righteousness, I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. What about that strange word, Hosanna, or Hosanna, that we sing every Sunday in the Sanctus and we hear every year on the first Sunday of the church year in Advent and every year again on Palm Sunday. What does that word mean and where does it come from? If we back up again to verses 25 and 26, we pray, save now, I pray, O Lord, and then skipping a line, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The words save now, the two words save now are in Hebrew, hoosheana, which has been abbreviated to hoshana, or as we say in English, hosanna. Hosanna is a combination of those two words for save and now, taken right here from Psalm 118. So to exclaim, as the people did when Jesus entered through those gates, going into the holy city of Jerusalem, to exclaim, Hosanna to the son of David, is to pray, 
save now or help now to the son of David. Jesus is the son of David. He's been called the son of David by others who have requested that Jesus would help them by this point in his ministry. And so as the crowd sang those words, they are saying that Jesus is the very one who is prophesied in Psalm 118. He is the one who brings salvation to them. Psalm 118 was one of the most familiar psalms to the Jews of the Old Testament era. And their joy on Palm Sunday is that these words are being fulfilled in their midst that Jesus, the Son of God, has come. I'd like to add one more thing to your, if you will, Hebrew lesson for today. Remember the name Joshua means the Lord is salvation, combining Yah and salvation together. And Hosanna means save now. These two words in the Hebrew actually have the same root. Joshua is based on the noun for salvation, and, and Hosanna is, is from the imperative verb for save now. So by proclaiming Hosanna to Jesus on Palm Sunday, the crowds were saying Jesus is the one and the only Savior of mankind. They were praying for salvation through this man who is now riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so they laid their cloaks on the donkey, and before him they laid these palm branches before him as his royal carpet, so that he can enter into this holy city as their king. They recognized him as the Lord of life, for he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And they are filled with great joy as they saw in Jesus the fulfillment of all that was said concerning the coming Messiah. So Jesus, save now, Hosanna, words that are related, speaking of the very role of who Jesus is and what he has come to do. No wonder then that the Pharisees were upset. They had already plotted to kill Jesus because of the great crowds that were following Jesus after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And the crowd keeps getting bigger. Jesus comes into Jerusalem and they do what would have been considered by the Pharisees to be one of the most blasphemous things they could do. And that is to equate Jesus to the one prophesied there in Psalm 118. And for Jesus to act out what is prophesied in Zechariah. The Pharisees didn't realize that they are the builders prophesied in verse 22, who rejected Jesus. Right before our reading from John 12 began, St. John had, re had reported, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So first they plot to kill Jesus. 
Now they're plotting to kill Lazarus because he bears the marks of his resurrection. Everyone knew that he had truly died. He had been dead for four days before Jesus raised him from the grave. And in fact, Caiaphas, the high priest, had prophesied, as John reports in chapter 11, that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. You'd almost think that Caiaphas would want to go against that very prophecy that God had guided him to declare and not follow through with this crucifixion, but Caiaphas was set to do so. By riding on the donkey into Jerusalem, by riding on to die as we'll sing in our closing hymn, Jesus does just that. He atones for the sins of the entire world. He gathers his people together as his bride, the church. He calls his people from all peoples, tongues, languages, and tribes. And his word has gone forth throughout the earth so that many, whether they have Jewish roots or Gentile roots, now call upon the name of Christ, calling on him to save them. The church has wisely preserved the Palm Sunday song in her communion liturgy. These words are not boring, repetitive words. In fact, we join in song with Christians across the globe and throughout the centuries when we sing that Sanctus, preparing to receive the sacrament. We are singing a portion of a psalm that has been considered among the chief of psalms written about 3,000 years ago. And as we sing the Sanctus, we sing in our own language, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As Psalm 118 said, and as the people proclaimed when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, but then something amazing happens when we sing. Suddenly all people of all languages all sing the same words no matter what language they are singing in. Have you considered that? That suddenly we're not singing in English, but we're singing the Hebrew, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. You could be anywhere, and you will then know where you are in the liturgy as Hosanna is sung, Hosanna in the highest. Oh, what blessing it is that God has placed these words into our lips that we may sing his praises. What privilege we have as God's very children to sing of the salvation earned by our Savior Jesus, who went to the cross to pay for our sins. And so sing these heavenly words with great joy, knowing that Christ has raised Lazarus from the dead, that Jesus himself had been raised from the grave, and that you too shall rise and live before God in righteousness and purity forever. No wonder we are invited to bow than at the name of Jesus. No wonder his name is exalted above every name. For Jesus 
is your Lord, your Savior, who died to take away your sins and who lives to give you the gift of eternal life. Thanks be to God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. We stand to sing our offertory, which is hymn number 422.